Bible prophecy is often misunderstood and misapplied, which leaves many people confused or fearful. But when the Bible is studied in its proper context, prophecy becomes clear and understandable. There is no one we can trust more than Jesus, and His words will speak specifically to us as we study them in their simplicity. Welcome to Jesus on Prophecy. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here. I also pray for those who are on their way despite the rainy weather. And I pray that you please give them traveling mercies to get here safely. Lord, we also pray that you will please send the Holy Spirit to give us divine insight and divine understanding to tonight's topic, which is a very important topic. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll please bless us with knowledge and understanding and wisdom as we learn the important truths for this presentation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when it comes to the origin of life, you have only two basic positions. Whether, number one, there is a God or there isn't. One or the other. And either God has always existed and brought about the creation of the cosmos, or they came about purely by chance. And as we look around at nature and study the amazing complexity of even the simplest forms of life, we realize something. We realize that God has his signature, God has his fingerprints all throughout the universe, from the smallest living organism to the vast far reaches of outer space. We find evidence of a creator God, a God that has shaped the world, a God that has fashioned the world, and the book of Revelation describes a vision in which John was brought to the very throne of an all-powerful creator God. And here in Revelation chapter 4, we find a clarion call for men and women living in earth's last hour to return to the worship of the Creator God. And if you look at Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, in prophetic vision, John travels to the throne room of the universe and hears these sounds of praise of these heavenly beings worshiping God in His throne. And it says, and they say, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. All of heaven sings. Some scientists may not know how life arose or how the universe got here, but all of heaven knows. All the angels sing, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. Why? Why does God, receive to, why does God deserve to receive glory, honor, and power? Because He created all things. And we see, before you existed... In the womb of your mother, you were actually in the mind of God, even before you were made and formed in the womb of your mother. God had you in mind. God had you in mind as He brought you into this world, and God fashioned you, God shaped you, He created you. And the book of Revelation calls humanity back to worshiping 
the Creator. And the revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation, there's an answer to the question of human origins. And we see it is a message, an end-time message for His people. And Revelation calls us in Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And as we continue in that verse, it goes on further to say, And worship Him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. It's a call to worship God. It's a call to worship Him who made heaven and earth, the seas and the springs of water. And this is a very relevant message, especially in a time that we're living in. We're living in an age of evolution where God sends this message to the entire human race, calling us back to worship the Creator. This is a message for all of us. It is not a message for one religious group to another. It is not a message of one denomination or another. It is God's final call to all His people. It's a call to worship the Creator. And we see that leads us to question number one tonight. How do we worship the Creator of heaven and earth? How do we worship God? And how does He remind us of His creative power? At creation, did God leave us a symbol of His creative authority? We know that the book of Revelation is a book about endings. And we can only understand the book of endings if we understand the book of beginnings. And so we will only understand the significance of the monumental issues in today's world if we understand the events at creation. And so, Revelation's final call is for the entire human race to worship the Creator and has its origin in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. The true theme of worship Remembering the Creator is the most common thread throughout the Bible. It is one of the most important themes of Scripture. The heart of Revelation's final crisis, in fact, is over true and false worship. That is going to be the final test for every individual in the end of Earth's history. Worshiping the Creator is the center of it all. And let us return to our origin so that we can understand our destiny we see the amazingly intricate world as we know it today was created in six literal days. And I don't know how some people can say that, you know, it wasn't six literal days, but it was just, you know, a long period of time. And, and some people, even Christians, are trying to um, um, meld evolution with religion, saying that it's a form of theistic evolution where they say that it took eons of time for God to create each thing because a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years to God and they say these things but that is not true friends because Genesis clearly tells us that every day when God created something the Genesis account tells us that the morning the evening and the morning was the first day the evening and the morning was the second day the evening and the morning was the third day and so on and so forth it's very clear that is literal 24-hour periods of time. Literal six days. And if you can't get past that, then how are you going to get around the whole Bible? 
If you're going to question the very beginning of Genesis, when the Bible tells us something, friends, we have to take it as it is, not try to explain it in a way that will appease the secular mind. We grasp that truth by faith, and we see that our Creator spoke, and the existence of earth came as a result of Him just speaking things into existence. Our Creator spoke, and we see that the earth came to be. God dazzled it with light, enveloped it with atmosphere, brightened it with babbling brooks and flowing rivers, colored it with beautiful flowers and plants, enlivened it with an incredible variety of living things. And we see that day by day, looking upon His handiwork and saying, God says, it is good. And then came the crowning act of creation. Turning to the Father, the Creator said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, Let us make man in our image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Man could receive no greater honor. God could have shown no greater love. The human race is God's masterpiece of creation, the object of His supreme love. And after the creation of Adam and Eve on the sixth day, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Let's turn there. And like we do every night, we want each table to participate and read a text as we go around so that each of us can see clearly that it's not me saying these things, but it's the Word of God saying these things. Amen? We want to see what the Word of God says. So it's not me doing this presentation. It's not me giving this, these thoughts, but it's the Word of God that we are looking to for the answers. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Let's take a look at what took place there. And if we can have everyone at a table decide who's going to be uh, reading that text when their turn comes around, and that way we can move along nicely from table to table. Okay? So Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. This is page 2 in your Bibles. Very easy to find. And so we're at table number 1. And do we have someone from table number 1 that can read that for us, please? Thank you very much. Yes, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Just in six days of work, creation was finished, done. Such a short time, but not for God. But the account of creation is not over on the sixth day. Did you know that? Question number two. What significant thing did God do on the seventh day? After creation, God did not finish yet. Yes, He did phenomenal things, created incredible things during those six days, but there's also one more thing left that is yet to be studied. What significant thing did God do on the seventh day after creation? And we're going to take a look at table number two, and we're going to read Genesis 2 2 and 3. Can we have someone read that for us, please? seventh day, God ended His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He rested from all His work which God had created and made. Thank you very much. So we see that God did what? He rested on the seventh day. Now God rested. Why? 
Why would God, was God creating everything? He says, ooh, oh, that was a lot of work. I need a rest. Is that what God was doing? Does God need rest? <laughs> so what does it mean that he rested? It's not a kind of rest where you rest from your labors and you're weary, but it's a rest where God was just kind of taking it back. Have you ever seen an artist work on something? And they work so diligently, and they're intricate in all the details. Maybe a sculptor, perhaps, just chiseling away to make sure that every, every component of that, that finished sculpture, sculpture is perfect. And when he's done, he stands back, and he oversees his work. And when it meets to his liking, he says, it's perfect. That's what God was doing. When God rested, He was taking in everything that He created and He saw everything that He created and He saw that it was indeed good and God rested on that day. But it tells us that what did He do? The Bible tells us. What are, what are the three things He did? He rested, yes, but what else did He do? He blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it. And then he also rested, right, from all the work which he had made. And so we see that the seventh day Sabbath, given at creation, was to be God's perpetual reminder of our roots. Reminder of our what? Of our roots. The seventh day Sabbath was to show us that and to remind us of our origins, that we come not from accident, not from evolving from a, a protoplasmic little organism until we came to be who we are, but a creator has created us and intricately designed us. And we see that the three specific things that the Bible tells us that God did on the seventh day was that He blessed it, He sanctified it, and He rested on it. The Bible does not say that God blessed the first day or the third day or the fifth day or any other day except the Sabbath, seventh day, right? And what God blesses, according to 1 Chronicles 17.27, He blesses forever. And what does it mean to bless something? When God blesses something, what does that mean? When He blesses something, to bless something is to infuse something with God's very presence. And so we see that God blessed the seventh day by making it an eternal sign of His powerful creation and infinite love. He rested on the seventh day, not because he was tired, but because he knew we would be tired. Like our, uh, our uh, uh, balanced living video today, hurried, worried, and buried, right? He knows that we will have that kind of lifestyle, that hustle and bustle lifestyle. So he knew that we needed a day of rest, a day to replenish ourselves, a day to rejuvenate ourselves. And so he set that day aside for us. And God sanctified the seventh day. He set it apart for holy use. And the word sanctified is the word used by God for the marriage ceremony when one woman is set apart or sanctified for one man. Now let's suppose that a man gets married and the woman he marries has six sisters. And at the ceremony, after the ceremony, he's waiting in the car, getting ready to go on the honeymoon. <laughs> he's so excited. And one of the bride's sisters slips in beside him and says, let's go. 
And he looks at her and amazed. And he's, he responds, I didn't marry you. I married your sister. And she replies, what difference does it make? I'm, I'm one of the seven. Does it make a difference? <laughs> yes, it does. To the married couple, it certainly does. There was, there was one who was sanctified and set apart for him, yes or no? And all women are not the same, right? And in the same way, all days are not the same. There's one day in particular that God sanctified. Doesn't the Bible say that? And which day is that? The seventh day, right? Not the first, second, third, or fourth, fifth, but it's the seventh day, right? And so question number three. Isn't the Sabbath mentioned, isn't the Sabbath mentioned in the Ten Commandments and only intended for the Jews? Okay, we're talking about the Sabbath. The seventh day is the Sabbath. And some people wonder, you know, is the Sabbath that's mentioned in the Ten Commandments only for the Jews? Okay? Let's take a look at this from the Bible's standpoint. We see that the Sabbath was created when? In the very beginning, upon creation week, God instituted the Sabbath 2,300 years before the existence of the Jewish race. So way before Jews, even in the picture, the Sabbath was around. And it was also given to our first parents. Who was our first parents? Adam and Eve. Right. By the way, we're all related to Adam and Eve. You know that? <laughs> and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they... Uh, were introduced to the Sabbath. The Sabbath was set aside at creation as an eternal symbol of God's creative power for His people in every age. It's from the very onset, from the very beginning. And we see throughout both the Old and New Testament, the Sabbath is a sign between God and His people. And before He gave the Israelites the Ten Commandment law on Mount Sinai, they were keeping the Sabbath of creation. And here's an example of that. We see in Exodus chapter 16, a remarkable story of the falling of manna. You remember that? How did God feed the children of Israel? What did He feed them with? Manna. Manna that fell from heaven. Bread from heaven that fell down from heaven. It's a remarkable story. And we're going to take a look at what God instructs them to do as He rains manna down for them every day to sustain them in their journey in the wilderness. And we're going to go to Exodus 16, verse 26, page 67. And we're going to read what it says there. Exodus 16, 26, page 67. And I believe we're at table number four. And Scott is eagerly waiting. <laughs> I, I like that he's ready. <laughs> All right, so thank you. God instructs Israel what? He says, six days I will rain down manna. You will gather the manna for yourselves during the six days. And, but the seventh day there will be none. Right? And so God met their needs by bringing manna, bread from heaven to them. And this bread fell every day except on which day? Sabbath. Sabbath. That's right. So this is what happened. If the Israelites gathered more than they can eat, right? when they said, ooh, well, I better get more because who knows, maybe I want a little snack later, and so they try to get, gather more than they need, uh, the, 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 the surplus that they gathered actually went bad. 
it, it, was, it stunk and it had worms and it was really bad and so they couldn't, it wasn't even fit to eat. So they were only to gather what they needed, right? And uh, some of the, and, and on Friday, the day before Sabbath, God rained a double portion of manna where they can gather a double portion, but this time it wouldn't spoil, right? So they could keep that and eat that to the Sabbath day and it wouldn't spoil, Right? But there are some people, some Israelites, who disregarded this command and they said, oh, well, I'm going to still gather something and see if I could gather something on the Sabbath morning. And so they went out of their tent and they were trying to look and scour to find manna on the ground. And guess what? Did they find any manna? There was no manna on Sabbath. Right? They, they went hungry that day. Because no manna would fall. And as they were looking, these people, a few people that did step out to look for manna on the Sabbath day, this is what God says in Exodus 16, verse 28. He says, How long do you refuse to keep my what? Commandments and my laws. Now this is interesting. What is he telling them? They are disregarding which command? About keeping the Sabbath. And you know, it's interesting this happens in Exodus chapter 16. When do we get the Ten Commandments? Exodus chapter 20. So the Sabbath commandment, did they know about it before it was written in the Ten Commandments? Yes or no? Yes. So it's not something that God put on the Ten Commandments and all of a sudden it's, it's, it's uh, applicable for the Jews. This was actually known beforehand. The Sabbath commandment was known even before the Ten Commandments were given. So question number four. Who wrote the Ten Commandments and on what were they written? Okay? We see that the Bible tells us that on Mount Sinai, God Himself wrote with His own finger on tables of stone the Sabbath commandment along with the other nine commandments. Notice, it was on tables of stone. He didn't write these commandments in the sand to be washed away. He didn't write them on parchment to be consumed in some fire. God did not write the Sabbath command on a little piece of paper hidden in a corner. God wrote the law on tables of stone. He wrote it because it was enduring in nature. And get this, God didn't even trust Moses to write it. God didn't entrust one of His prophets to write it. God said, stand aside, this is something that I myself must write. This is something that I feel is very important that I must write it myself. So the whole Bible is written by men, holy men of God, but the Ten Commandments are written by God Himself. And that is very significant, is it not? Now let me ask you something. If, the, if in the Bible there's only one set of laws written by God's own finger, if God wrote them on tables of stone, can we turn our backs on the eternal law of God written with His own finger? I don't think we can. We cannot afford to ignore what God wrote Himself. And so we see that God wrote the law, including the Sabbath, in there with His own finger on tables of stone. Question number five. Why are, to, are, why are we to worship on the Sabbath day? 
And we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, page 71. And this is where we find the Ten Commandments. And so uh, let's turn there. Exodus 20, verse 8, page 71. And table number five is, is up next. And we're going to go ahead and have someone read that for us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. All right, thank you. So we see that it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? Holy, holy right? Remember, God made that day holy since when? Beginning. From the very beginning, right? Beginning of, at the end of creation week, he made that holy. That day has been holy ever since. And we sa- it says, that remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We can keep holy only what God has made holy, yes or no? Yes. Amen. And human beings cannot make something holy. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes. And God made the Sabbath holy. He blessed it at creation. And He says in this commandment, what does He say? What's the first word in this commandment? Remember. Remember. This is very interesting because all the other commandments say, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But this commandment says, Remember. It starts differently from all the other commandments. It says, Remember. Why did God say, Remember. Why did he start the commandment this way? It says, remember, because he knew that we would forget. He knew in an age of evolution, men and women would forget the Sabbath. He knew that people who are hurried, hustle and bustle lifestyle, and they would forget the Sabbath. And so God said, remember, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God is calling us back to His eternal sign of creation. God is calling us back to our roots, to our identity in Him as our Creator, and we being the creation. And it goes further on to say, Six days shalt you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Now some people may say, Well, I worship God, Seven days a week. Not just one. Well, if that's true, then my question to them is, then what day do you not work? Because the seventh day, the, the Sabbath commandment says that we should not work, right? And so that means if you are keeping every day as your Sabbath... That means for seven days you're not working for seven days. So you're not holy, you are lazy. <laughs> right? So do you get my point? <laughs> Notice God does not say keep a seventh day holy, but he's, or he doesn't say a seventh day is a Sabbath. He says the seventh day is a Sabbath. Right? So if I told my brother Scott here, I said, Scott, get me a chair. 
okay, yeah, so he would just grab any chair, right? But if, if I say to Scott, Scott, get the chair, what, what would that mean? It's a specific chair that I'm asking for, right? Not just any chair, I'm asking for a specific chair, right? And the same thing, God is saying, he is telling us to keep the seventh day as a Sabbath, not a day for Sabbath. And we know that, here's an example, just before uh, the day before your birthday, let's say, or the day after your birthday, it does not commemorate the day you were born, yes or no? Right? And also, uh, husbands, <laughs> you know this very well, that if you don't remember the exact day of your anniversary, you're in big trouble, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Ladies, does it matter what day is your anniversary? Yes, yes. And so, you know, it's not the first day, it's not the second day or third or fourth day, uh, but we see that the day that God has instituted is the day that he calls the Sabbath day. And so Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it tells us, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So the Ten Commandments, do you know where that comes from? Where it says that the Lord um, made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is? It comes straight from Genesis. Straight from the creation account, where God created all things, and then, of course, at the end of that week was the Sabbath, right? That commemorated His uh, creation. And so we see, question number six, according to the Bible, what precious thing is the Sabbath a sign of? Okay, uh, people are saying creation. Let's take a look at the Bible. It says, throughout the whole Bible, the Sabbath is a sign, an everlasting sign for all of his people. Let's take a look here in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Page 819 is where we're going. I believe we're at table number seven. Uh, so let's see, what is the Sabbath a sign of? What does the Bible say it is a sign of? Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12, page 819. And let's take a look at this verse here. What does it say the Sabbath is a sign of? And do we have someone from table seven to read that for us? Um, it's page 819, Ezekiel twenty twelve. Okay. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who saved them. Aha. So we see that the Sabbath is a sign of what? It's a sign that God is the one who does what? He is the one who sanctifies who? Us. That's right. So the Sabbath is a sign. A Sabbath is a sign that shows that God, He is God. If He can make a 24-hour period of time holy, surely He can also make me holy. Yes or no? Yes. So is that an awesome sign? To testify what God can do for us, that He can make us holy? And, and that is a sign, that's a very important sign that shows us that it is God who sanctifies us. It is God who can recreate our hearts. So the Sabbath is not a sign only that God created us, but it is a sign that He can recreate our hearts.
And that's very important. When I come to worship Him on the Sabbath, I am saying, God, You are the all-powerful Creator. You can recreate my heart. Just as you made a 24-hour period of time holy, surely you can make me holy. And we see that God gave the Sabbath to Adam and Eve at creation. God gave the Sabbath to Moses in the Ten Commandment Law. God gave the Sabbath as a sign all throughout the Old Testament of His power to recreate hearts. He gave the Sabbath as a sign of His love to us and a symbol of His divine authority. And so now... Question number seven, uh, which day did Jesus keep holy? Right? Some people will ask, what about the New Testament? What about Jesus? Well, we want to follow Jesus, and he's our example in all things. Amen? So let's take a look. Which day did Jesus keep holy? Did Jesus come to do away with the Sabbath? Did the disciples change the Sabbath? Did they worship on another day? And let's take a look at the New Testament and start with this text here. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Which day did Jesus, our Lord, keep holy? And let's go to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And we are now at table number 8. And if someone at table number 8 could be ready to read that as we look up this text together. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. The question is, which day did Jesus keep holy? Okay, so friends, based on this text, what day did Jesus worship? The Sabbath day. That's right. And uh, was this just a one-time occurrence where he just happened to have this day off, so he decided to just keep it for, for, uh, uh, for a change? It was his custom. So what does a custom mean? Custom is something that you do as a habit, right? You, you do it all the time. Right? So every Sabbath day, you don't see Jesus still working the carpenter shop and working overtime. You, see that, you don't see Jesus sweeping away the shavings on the carpenter floor um, because he didn't have time to do it the day before. But you see that Jesus, every Sabbath, you could f- be sure that you'll find him in the synagogue worshiping on the Sabbath day. Right? So uh, Jesus worshiped every Sabbath. Now, if Jesus wanted to leave another sign or symbol of worship, wouldn't you expect him to leave us a positive example in his life? Yes. Isn't it true that when a person's will and testament is sealed by, is sealed by their death, right? When, when someone dies, their will and testament is, has, it can be enforced, right? But you cannot change a person's will after they die, can you? And Christ's will and testament was sealed at his death, but the legacy of his life was that as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read, indeed Christ kept the Bible Sabbath. And we see question number eight. It says, what did Jesus have to say about the Bible Sabbath? Does Jesus say anything about the Sabbath? And we see Mark chapter 2, verse 27, page 920 is where we're going next. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, page 970. 970, that takes us to Mark 2, verse 27. We're on table number 9. 
Mark 2, verse 27, what did Jesus have to say about the Bible Sabbath? Page 970, Mark 2, 27. Oh, okay. So this text, does this text say the Sabbath was made for Jews? Does it say the Sabbath was made for a Jewish man? No, it says Sabbath was made for what? Man. That word man, do you know what it means in the original language, the Greek language? That word man actually means mankind. For everyone. The Sabbath was made for everyone. Which makes sense when you actually think about Genesis. Right? God intended for the Sabbath to be for all men, starting with Adam and Eve and every one of their descendants after them. Right? The Sabbath has always been meant for man, made for man. The Sabbath was made for man, and we see that the Sabbath was made for both Jews and Gentiles alike as a sign of God's creation. It was made for all humanity. And we see that the Sabbath is a sign that we worship Him exclusively, that we love Him supremely. We were not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made as God's gift to us. Adam and Eve were made first. Then the Sabbath was made as God's love gift to the human race. Every Sabbath we flee from the stresses of life to His palace in time. The tensions of life evaporate in His presence. The Sabbath is an eternal sign that He created us. What a wonderful reminder. And we see that even in the death, in His death, Jesus, did you know He kept the Sabbath? Jesus' closest followers rested according to the commandment. They wouldn't even embalm His body on the Sabbath, and they tried to wait till the Sabbath passed, and they tried to embalm Him on the next day once the Sabbath passed. But we see that Jesus rested on Sabbath before He was resurrected on the first day of the week. Jesus kept the Sabbath in life, and Jesus also kept the Sabbath in His death. And Jesus says... In John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Plural. Does that mean most of his commandments or all? All. Absolutely. And so question number nine. Was the Sabbath meant to be kept even after Jesus' death? Okay, let's take a look. Jesus told his disciples that even after his death, even after the crucifixion, even after the resurrection, they would be keeping the Sabbath. And one day, we remember, Jesus gathered his disciples together and discussed the coming destruction of Jerusalem. And in Matthew 24, that whole chapter is about the the end and the destruction of Jerusalem and also the end time. But Jesus uh, says in Matthew 24, verse 20, let's take a look there, uh, page 960. We're on table number 10. Matthew 24, 20, page 960. What was the Sabbath meant to be kept even after Jesus' death? And we're going to get it from the words of Jesus himself. And let's see what Jesus himself says in Matthew 24, verse 20. And table number 10 is next. And so let's uh, read that together and follow along.
Aha, uh-huh. thank you, Beverly. And it says, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath day. You guys know what a flight is? <laughs> it's not talking about an airline flight. <laughs> okay, a flight is talking about the, the day that they flee from danger, right? Uh, Jesus is, with his prophetic eye, he's looking 40 years into the f- future, Right? Actually, uh, yeah. Like, he's looking to the future in, in uh, an event that's, that is to take place called the destruction of Jerusalem. And he's saying that pray that the day that you have to flee the destruction, the coming destruction, will not be on winter. Can you imagine? You guys know what Michigan weather is like here in winter, right? Can you imagine trying to flee for your life in Michigan weather in the thick of winter? That would be really difficult. So you pray that your flight or day of escape is not on a day like that or on the Sabbath day, right? The Sabbath, you know, he mentions it very clearly. He sees in the future this destruction taking place. This is far after Jesus ascends to heaven. And Jesus is saying, pray that your day day of escape will not be on the Sabbath. Why did he say that? Because... If all of the Christians were worshiping together on Sabbath, together in one place, and the Roman armies attacked the city, what would have happened? The Roman armies would have destroyed them. Right? And it would be really hard for you to flee on a Sabbath day and to find rest on that day and keeping it holy. And so Jesus is telling them, pray that your flight will not be on the winter or on the Sabbath. Jesus is mentioning the Sabbath in the future. Which means that the Sabbath was always meant to be kept. It never was done away with. Right? And we see that Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70. This is the event that Jesus was talking about. And as he prophesied this event, he makes mention of the Sabbath, which I find very interesting. The Sabbath, which he still expected his followers to keep. And question number 10. How can we know which day is really the Sabbath? Well, you know, Pastor Brian, there's been a lot of changes in the calendar. How do we really know that the day that today that we know as Saturday is really the seventh day? Well, has time ever been lost? What do you think? Well, you know, there are ways that we can know what day is the real Sabbath. And we're going to use uh, three ways to find that out. Number one, the Bible. Number two, the language in the world today. And of course, astronomy. So let's take a look of, at each of these th- three things. Okay? Um, three things that you can know which day the Sabbath is without a doubt. Alright? First of all, the Bible. The Sabbath was stated at creation and restated in the Ten Commandments. We remember that it was reinstated in the Ten Commandments given to Moses, but it's clear that there was no time lost from the time of Adam to Moses. Adam kept the seventh-day Sabbath, and so did Moses keep the seventh-day Sabbath. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament, from Moses to Jesus, God's people kept the Sabbath. So there's no time lost there, even to this day. I've been to the Holy Land, I've been to Jerusalem, Um, Israel, and uh, they keep the Sabbath. And they've been keeping that Sabbath diligently every week 
from centuries and centuries ago. Do they know what day is the Sabbath? Oh yes, you better believe they know it. They take it very seriously. They know what day is the Sabbath and they've been keeping it ever since. So there's no time lost there. And the crucifixion story clearly reveals that the weekly cycle as we know it has not changed from Jesus' time until today. Let's look at the sequence from the Bible. Okay, the sequence of events, of the days. We begin with the day that Jesus died. This is, a, this is a proof. The proof is in the pudding. You hear that expression? We're going to see the proof now from the Word of God. Okay, so let's take a look here to know, does the Bible tell us which day is really the Sabbath day? Yes, it does. Go to Luke chapter 23, verse 54. We're going to look at page 1023. Page 1023, does the Bible tell us which day is in fact the Sabbath day? The seventh day Sabbath. And let's take a look at Luke chapter 23, 54. Um, and who's next? Is it table 11? Okay, so that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near. What day is that referring to? What happened on that day? Okay, if you look at the context of what was just read, we see that this is the time that Jesus died on the cross, right? He died on which day? He died on Friday. That's right. He died on Friday. And it says that that day was the preparation because Friday comes before the Sabbath, right? And it says that the Sabbath drew near, right? So that's uh, verse 54. And now read verse 55. Table number, who's the next table? Table, okay. Can we have someone read that? Verse 55. Okay, and verse 56. Okay, so notice this, right? He was laid in the tomb on preparation day, right? Sabbath was coming. And by the way, do you know when Sabbath begins? The Jews gauged the days from sundown to sundown, right? So Friday night was when Sabbath began, right? Saturday night is when Sabbath ended, right? That's how they, they follow what the Bible says. From evening to evening shall your Sabbaths be, right? That's how they gauge it. Even on creation week, evening in the morning was the first day. Evening in the morning was the second day. That's how they gauge their time. From evening to evening, right? Uh, we gauge our time from midnight to midnight, right? But that's not how they did it. They, they gauged it from evening to evening. That's, and so the evening, when Jesus died, the evening was drawing near. The Sabbath was about to be upon them. The women wanted so much to embalm Jesus' body, to give uh, Him a proper burial. But the Sabbath was upon them, and they said, Oh, we cannot do it. Oh, we don't have time. We have to lay aside these spices and ointments till the Sabbath is over. Right? So they kept the Sabbath. They didn't embalm his body right then and there because the Sabbath was there. They were, the Sabbath was upon them. They had, to for, they had to wait. But look at the next text in the next chapter. Luke chapter 24. So notice, Jesus died on preparation day. That was Friday. 
They rested on the Sabbath. They didn't embalm his body because it was Sabbath. Now, Luke chapter 24. The next chapter, verse 1. And can we have table number 1 read that for us, please? Aha, uh-huh. when did they prepare those spices? They pre- prepared on Friday, right? And they rested all through Sabbath, right? And now they come on which day? Well, it doesn't say Sunday there. What does it say? It says the first day, okay? So the first day, of course, we know it to be Sunday, right? And so, but, but the Bible tells us it's the first day, right? So they came to embalm his body after the Sabbath passed, yes or no? Right, so let's look at the order of events. You have three days. The first day is Friday, preparation day, where Jesus was crucified, he died, and he was laid in the tomb. Right? The next day he rested on the Sabbath day. There was guards that were stationed to guard his tomb so that nobody would come in with a Roman seal. Right? The third day, what happened? Jesus resurrected. Right? Resurrection morning. Now it's interesting that even today we we call uh, this commonly Good Friday when he dies, right? He died on Good Friday, right? And he raised on which day? Easter Sunday, right? So what is the day between Friday and Sunday? Saturday. Does the Bible tell us what day is the Sabbath? Yes, it does, right? So we see that very clear. the Sabbath is none other than the seventh day, Right? And so the identity of the Sabbath is clear. The Sabbath is the seventh day of the weekly cycle or the day that we call Saturday. Now, get this. Now we're going to look at another proof in the pudding. The language. Remember the Tower of Babel? And God confused the languages of everyone. (laughs) And isn't it interesting? That happened in which chapter or which book? Genesis. That confusion of the languages. All the languages that we have today all has this point of origin at the Tower of Babel. That's why we need Rosetta Stone today. (laughs) Right? And uh, we see that it's interesting. From the early onset of how languages came to be, you find something remarkable. In every language, what do they call the seventh day? Check this out. In over 140 languages of the world, the word for the seventh day of the week is Sabbath. Check this out. We see it in the Greek, it's Sabaton. In Spanish, is Sabado. In Portuguese, is Sabado. Italian, Sabato. Uh, French, Samidi. And Samtang and Sabota and Sabota. Samin and Sabit. I'm not going to try to pronounce the rest of it. <laughs> but, but you get the idea. We see that the root of the word Sabbath is in all these languages. Because they knew that from their early onset when Adam kept the Sabbath. And it's been, it's been carried on ever since to our languages today. So that's another compelling piece of evidence. That the Sabbath is the seventh day as we know it. And in all the cultures of the world, there's no questions about this. When you look at the languages, it's very plain. The word for the day in English that we call Saturday is Sabbath. What about astronomy? According to trustworthy sources as the Royal Greenwich Observatory in Greenwich, England, 
and the United States Naval Observatory, they all say that the weekly cycle has never changed. The weekly cycle has never changed throughout history. It's always been intact. We've always had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Weekly cycle has been intact. Nothing has changed. Nothing has been altered. They confirm that in astronomy. Right? And so we have those three pieces of evidence. Very compelling. Right? And question number 11. It says, shouldn't we keep Sunday in honor of Christ's resurrection? Many Christians say, well, but we worship on Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose and we want to commemorate that day. And that's very nice. We should commemorate the day that Jesus resurrected. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. That was an important day when Jesus rose from the dead. But does that mean we worship on that day because he rose from that day? Jesus did a lot of good things on different days of the week. Does that mean we make those days a a different Sabbath? Um, I don't think so. Because the Bible does not tell us anywhere where He gives us that mandate or that change that has been made. We see that Christ has given us all already a symbol of His resurrection. Did you know that? And it's not a change of a Sabbath to another day. God has given us a symbol of His resurrection. And what is that? In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, this is the institution that He has made to commemorate His resurrection. It says, Or do you not know? That as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death, therefore we were buried with Him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So friends, there is an institution that we adhere to to commemorate Christ's resurrection. What is that? Baptism. That's right, baptism. When we actually say, I want to give my life to Jesus and I want to get baptized, and when you are being baptized and you go in that water, you come out of that water, that's representing that you have died with Christ to your old self, you've been resurrected to your new life in Him, and that is a great way to inaugurate His resurrection by also following His example, by saying goodbye to the old life and living a new life in Christ. And so the Bible says very clearly that the Sabbath day is to be remembered. Remember the Sabbath day. You honor your Creator by keeping the Bible Sabbath. Now, question number 12. It says, did the apostles and the New Testament church keep the Sabbath? Some people say, well, you know, it got changed uh, in the New Testament times, and so they kept a different Sabbath. But is that the case? Let's take a look in the New Testament. We see that Jesus and the apostles always kept the Sabbath. You are not going to find one verse in the Bible that's going to tell you that the Sabbath was changed, the Bible Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday. You're not going to find a text like that. If you do, please show me. And I would love to see it. And in fact, I will even offer $1,000... I know I'm, I, I'm, I'm not rich, okay, I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll offer $1,000 if you could find a verse that tells us that the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday, okay? So I'll take you up on that. I'll take you up on that offer. If you could find one text that tells us that the Sabbath was changed from Sabbath to Sunday, see me afterwards. And let's talk. But we see that Jesus kept the Sabbath. 
Peter, James, John, Paul, they all kept the Sabbath. And let's take a look at some examples of where they did that. Let's go to Acts chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. And who are we at now? We had table, is table number 2? Okay, Acts 17, this is page 1071. Page 1071. And let's see, what day did the apostles and the early church keep as their Sabbath? Acts 17, 1 and 2. Now when they had passed through Amphibolus and Apollonius, they came to Thessalonica, and there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then mm -hmm. Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scripture. Okay, so we see that Paul, the Apostle of Christ... When did he, which day did he observe as a Sabbath? Okay. The Sabbath, right? And so was this a one-time occurrence? Yes or no? It was his custom, right? So in other words, every Sabbath, just as Jesus was in the synagogue, you could bet that Paul was also there in the synagogue worshiping on the Sabbath day as well. So Paul was also following the same biblical Sabbath. And we see in Acts chapter 13, verse 42, there's another instance that is being mentioned here. Table number 4, if we go to page 1067, Acts 13, 42. Page 1067. Look at this. Acts 13, page... I mean, Acts 13, 42, page 1067. Ah, okay, so we see here, just to give you a background of what's happening here, Paul just preached a sermon to a Jewish synagogue, to some uh, sons of Israel. And he was preaching to them, and the service ended, and then you know how all services go after it ends. The speaker goes out to the end of the uh, uh, foyer there, and he greets all the people as they're going by. Thank you for coming. Happy Sabbath. God bless you. Happy Sabbath. And he shakes all their hands as they're heading out. But it says here that as he's doing this, there's some Gentiles standing around waiting for their time with Paul. And then after he finishes greeting everyone after, after that Sabbath service, they come before him. They say, Paul... Please, brother, would you please share that same message with us tomorrow? Is that what they said? Could you share on our, our Sabbath? Is that what they said? Or Sunday, can you do next Sunday? Is that what they said? What did they say? They begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So what days did the Gentiles keep, the Gentile converts of the New Testament church, what day did they keep as their Sabbath? The same Sabbath. The very same Sabbath. There was not another day for them. They kept the same day as the early church did. And we see that Paul, he accepts their invitation. And we see that the text goes on to say that on the next Sunday, is that what it says? This is for the Gentile church, mind you. It doesn't say next Sunday, it says the next what? Sabbath, almost a whole city came to hear the word of God. And that was a packed house, that Sabbath. <laughs> so many people were there. 
They came to uh, hear what Paul had to say. We see very clear the disciples kept the Sabbath. We see that the Gentile converts kept the Sabbath. It was a Sabbath that the Bible actually mentioned of. Here's another example. Um, Acts 16, verse 13, page 1070. Uh, Acts 16, verse 13, page 1070. Here's another uh, instance of which day the early church and the Gentiles kept as their Sabbath. Table 4. Oh, five, I'm sorry. Yes, table five. 44, page 1067. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I gave the wrong text. It's Acts 16, 13, uh, 1070. Acts 16, 13, I apologize, 1070. Okay, so Paul is meeting with some, a group of Gentile women. These Gentile women uh, and the group of people meeting here had no church structure to meet in, so they met by the riverside to have their worship services on which day? The Sabbath day. The Gentile believers also kept the same day as Jesus did, the same day the disciples kept, and they kept that same day as well. Number 13. But isn't Sunday referred to as the Lord's Day? And somebody says, oh, you know, Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 says that John was on the Spirit on the Lord's Day. That Lord's Day is actually Sunday. Um, okay, but give me a text that shows that that's the case. Um, you know, we, people assume that the Lord's Day is Sunday, but... You know, human beings may try to define the Lord's Day, but Jesus knows better. And let's let Jesus himself define what day is the Lord's Day. If you look at these three texts right here, Matthew 12, 8, Mark 2, 28, and Luke 6, 5, it tells us what day is clearly the Lord's Day. For the Son of Man is Lord even of which day? The Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the what day? Sabbath. The Son of Man is also Lord of the what? Sabbath. So what day is the Lord's day according to the Bible? It's the Sabbath day. You're never going to find a text that tells us that Sunday is the Lord's day. There's no text to be found. They, they just came up with that. Someone just came up with that, but there's no biblical evidence for that. Sorry to say. And so the Bible tells us what day is clearly the Lord's day. It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the creator uh, the Sabbath of the Creator of God in Genesis is the Lord's Day in Revelation. So when John, when John was on the envision on the island of Patmos on the Lord's Day, what day was he envision? The Sabbath day. Sabbath day. So we see that it's just as God declared it to the first inhabitants of the earth, Adam and Eve, where God said, "I blessed, I sanctified, and rested upon the Sabbath." He calls all humanity today. To, to worship Him at the end times as well. He does not change. And we see, friends, that if we truly want to be Bible-believing Christians, 
There's no way around this. The Bible makes it very clear. We have to go with what the Bible says. That's the only way that we truly follow Christ in every way. Christ kept the Sabbath. If we are His followers, we'll keep the same day. And we see that uh, that's apparently so. Because the book of Revelation, which is a revelation of Jesus Christ, calls us back to true what? Worship. He calls us back to true worship. And you'll see clearly tonight that tonight's subject will be very, a very, very important issue later on in Revelation. That's why we waited till now to present this message. That's why I said that this message is very important because this sets the tone of how, this, how you see this issue being played out later on in the book of Revelation. So keep coming to future presentations, please. You don't want to miss out on what else that you can see how this unfolds. And we see in Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, I want to be counted among these people spoken of here in Revelation 14, verse 12. And I want you to be counted among these people that are being mentioned of here in prophecy. It says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. That means all of God's commandments, including the fourth commandment, which God tells us to remember because He knew that a majority of people have forgotten, and the faith of Jesus. So, Revelation speaks of a group of people living in the last days who will be faithful to God by keeping all the commandments, including the Sabbath. We see, friends, based on our presentation tonight, that the Sabbath was given at creation. It was given at Sinai. It was given by His people. or it was, I'm sorry, it was kept by His people. It was kept by Jesus. It was honored by the disciples. It's a sign of God's power. And it was kept, and it will be kept, did you know, on the new earth. Did you know that? You know, this is uh, something that uh, we need to explore because we see that some people say the Sabbath was done away with. People say that the, the commandments were nailed to the cross, so the Sabbath was included with that. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Let me ask you this question. Is there ever a point in time where the Sabbath becomes obsolete? When God makes something holy, does the holiness fade, out, fade away or the holiness wears off? <laughs> or does it remain holy for all eternity? And friends, I believe that the Sabbath is never obsolete. Here's why. Here's another compelling verse that tells us that the Sabbath... Did you know that the Sabbath... Well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Let's go to question number four before I go there. Question number 14. Uh, will the Sabbath ever be obsolete and the earth made new? Okay, we know that we're looking forward to that day where we get to heaven, right? Where we get to be in that mansion that Jesus had made for us. And finally we are there. We're in eternal life and we're enjoying eternal bliss, free from death and pain and suffering and, and all those things. Free from sin. But will the Sabbath be obsolete? Take a look at Isaiah 66, verse 22 and 23. And are we at table number 7? And if we could have someone read that for us. Page 724. I want all of us to look at this. We all have to look at this. Don't just get my word for it. Don't get the PowerPoint's word for it. Look at this and see the evidence for yourself. Isaiah 66, 22 and 23. Will the Sabbath ever be obsolete in the earth made new? Isaiah 66, 22 and 23. 
page 724. Let's take a look here. Wow. So what's going to happen in, in, in heaven? By the way, when we're in heaven, do you think we'll be keeping track of time? Because <laughs> we have immortality, we have eternal life. Do you think we'll be keeping track of time? <laughs> Look at this. It says, It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another. What's a one new moon? It's a month. It's a rotation of a moon around the earth, right? One complete rotation is a month. And it says from one Sabbath to another. What is that? A gauging of a cycle of? One week. So there is going to be a gauging of time in heaven. And we will, we will need to gauge that time because why? Sabbath will still be in effect all throughout eternity. It says that all flesh shall come before me, says the Lord and worship me. Wow, true worship. True worship takes place on what day? The Sabbath day. That's going to be in heaven. And Jesus says, your, your will be done on heaven as it is on earth. We need to get into that true worship. What do you say? We see that they will all come to worship. All flesh will come before me and worship me, it says. They will come from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. They'll come from China. They'll come from Russia. They'll come from Africa, the Americas, from Europe. From all around the world, they will come and together as one common humanity, together as brothers and sisters, as one family, we will come to give Him praise, honor, and glory. Together. We will come to praise the Christ who created the heaven and the earth. We will come together with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will come together to praise the Christ who died for us. Maybe you're thinking tonight, whoa, this is so new to me. But I know that your one desire, and I know you only have one desire, that's why you're here tonight. The fact that you're sitting here right now, I know that your one desire is that you want to follow Jesus and do His will. And we must follow Jesus, even if it means going against what's popular opinion. We need to follow Jesus, even if it's different from what conventional religion teaches I know that all of us in our heart wants to say, I want to do one thing. My heart wants only one thing, and that is Bible truth. My heart wants only one thing, that is the truth as it is in Jesus. And tonight, friends, are you willing to bow your head and say, Jesus, teach me your truth. Wherever it leads me, I will follow. Would you like to say, Dear Jesus, tonight I want to follow you no matter what others teach. I want to follow and worship you as Creator and Lord. 
and I want to follow the Bible Sabbath every week and find your Sabbath rest. For me, the important thing is to follow Jesus. Is this your desire? Is this your commitment? Is Jesus more important to you more important to you than anything else that this world offers? And if so, I'd like to invite you that you will pray with me right now. And as we pray, let's ask for that right now. That the Lord will give us His grace to do His will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for loving us. We thank You that You have presented a truth to us that may be hard for many of us. Maybe we've heard it for the first time. Maybe it's something that we never really noticed until tonight. And Lord, we know that Your Word has spoken tonight. We know that it is Your Word that has shown us Bible truth. The truth that that it is in Jesus. And now there's a decision that needs to be made. Lord, I pray tonight that You'll send Your Holy Spirit that brings insight, that brings understanding, that brings clarity to these truths, that You will move upon our hearts and help us to move forward by Your grace to follow You wherever You lead. As the song goes, I will follow you wherever you go, my Savior. Wheresoever my life may be, I will follow you. And so, Lord, tonight, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if there's people here tonight that would like to say, Lord, I want to follow you wherever you lead, wherever your word leads, starting tonight, would you raise your hand right now where you are and say, Lord, I want to follow you where you lead. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And Father, we pray that you'll please be with each and every one of us. And I pray that you'll please continue to guide us and keep us safe till we meet again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.